and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is yet another bank holiday, but our economy is in such a rude state of health that it's OK for everyone to grind to a halt and spend the day shivering on the beaches of Britain. One of the good things about long weekends, of course, is that you get more time to think about stuff or more time to consider your options, more time to get things done. As a result of all of this, I have an announcement. We are now more than five weeks on from the first Brexit deadline of March the 29th, and we seem to be nowhere near the end game. This morning, Tory MPs are warning Theresa May not to do a deal with Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party because more than 100 of them would block a soft Brexit compromise that would include any kind of customs union, even if it had a time limit. As a result, we will no doubt have yet more filibustering, more delaying, more posturing and more impossible demands being made. The truth is, there is never going to be a no-deal Brexit. Theresa May is never going to allow it and the Tories have proven themselves completely incapable of dislodging her. So she can might as well just forget about it. So here's my message to them all. Just let a deal get done. Let Corbyn and May join hands on a deal, vote it through and take it from there. Everything that we have been told that was previously unbreakable has already been broken, including several dozen promises. So the idea that we can't start with a soft Brexit and end up with a much harder one is absolutely and utterly ridiculous. Let's just get on with it, shall we? Who is with me? 0344 499 1000. We're going to be joined by Andrew Bridget, Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire and a man who's not very keen on compromising with Theresa May. I'm going to see if I can persuade him to do it. Coming up, we'll be asking if Jeremy Corbyn has had another great idea with the nationalisation of the water business and why the youth of this country need to be better controlled. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me on Bank Holiday Monday. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So here we are, once again, five weeks on from March the 29th, no closer to Brexit than we were then, uh, much further away, in fact, you might say, uh, because October the 31st is the new deadline, unless we decide to get a deal done before May the 22nd, in which case we can leave the European Union, not bother with all the expense of having a load of European elections and electing all sorts of people who don't want to be in the European Union anyway. Surely it would be much simpler if we actually made a proper compromise, we could get on with the job, we could start detaching ourselves from the European Union and we could get rid of Theresa May as well in one fell swoop. I think it's the greatest idea I've had since the last great idea I had. Let's talk to Andrew Bridget, our good friend from North West Leicestershire and see if he agrees. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for joining us on a bank holiday Monday. I know that you'd probably rather be shivering on a beach somewhere, you know, east of uh, Eden. I don't know where you would go today, but it's not very nice for a bank holiday Monday. But is it not time, surely now, to just go, look, no deal is not ever going to happen. Let's just get on with the best deal we can get. And if it's a deal that we don't like, let's do it anyway and improve upon it as we go. Well, it's lovely in, in northwest Leicestershire, Mike. Is it? Uh, I'm sure you're that. <laughs> it's, better, it's better than being in London, to be honest. Uh, well, <laughs> most, things are, most, things, most, most things are better than being in London, to be honest. It's true. Well, I, you're interesting. You said about the, the rude good health of our economy, that we can have a bank holiday. Um, it's actually, that's absolutely smack on. It's not been reported in the mainstream media, but the Bank of England uh, upgraded the growth forecast for the UK economy yep. uh, for Q, Q1 up to 0.5%. So we're increasing our economic growth at a time when the whole of the Europe, the rest of the European Union is, is going down the plug hole, which normally would have a detrimental effect on our economy. So yeah. we are in rude good health. 
Um, and don't think, and don't please don't think that I've gone over to the other side of those naysayers who think that it's all going to be terrible when we leave the European Union. Because I haven't changed my view on leaving. I've just changed my view on let's get on with it, really. Yes, but you're falling into the trap of thinking that agreeing to any version of the withdrawal agreement, which that is quite Orwellian, it's not a withdrawal agreement, it's a staying in agreement, uh, is going to get us out of the European Union. It won't. The withdrawal agreement is tremendously uh, unpopular. It's, it's, it's based on the Chequers proposals. They only ever got about 15% of public support. That's where Theresa May's withdrawal agreement is based now, about 15% of public support. Mm. And if it's further compromised by uh, a customs union, it'll, it'll be even worse. So that is not the answer. But and then the answer, the there is, is no other like, answer, though, like, Andrew, is there? Th- there is. Um, people like me and others have trashed the withdrawal agreement, the Chequers proposals from the beginning. If we did actually agree, and e- the easiest thing would be political expediency to make the people happy and think, well, we'll, you know, after the local elections, which were a bit of a bloodbath for the Conservatives, that we should you might you know, say agree, that. agree now. Well, it was the hardest election I've been involved in. We just hung on to control of the Conservative control of the council in North West Leicestershire, which, given that we're probably the 155th safest seat now in the country, is uh, that's a pretty sad indictment of the state of local politics at mm. the moment that we lost uh, lost so many good councillors. Yeah. Um, but that, but that but, was down not only to Theresa May's unpopularity and the Tories' unpopularity in general, but also in the unpopularity of the current course of action, which is basically that nothing is happening. Well, I'll promise you that um, I've come to the conclusion we need a proper Brexit, but the withdrawal agreement's not the answer. We're not going to get Brexit through with Theresa May as the Prime Minister, and we're not going to get Brexit through while we've got the current Parliament, which is about 160 MPs who campaigned for leave and 484 who campaigned for remain. So two things have got to happen to, for us to deliver Brexit. Um, we've got to remove Theresa May as the Prime Minister, and she needs to be replaced by someone who believes in Brexit, uh, someone who will have optimism and will drive through uh, a, the Brexit project, someone who actually the European Union will believe that we're willing to leave without a deal. That means that we will get a a good deal. And the other thing that's going to have to happen, unfortunately, and it's not going to be popular with your listeners, is we're going to end up with a general election before probably the end of the summer. Well, it's not going to be very popular with with most MPs in Parliament, is it? Well, I'm sorry, but this is about democracy, and we'll not get get, uh, Brexit through that Parliament. It's full of Remainers. And and it doesn't matter how many times they say we respect the result, you know and I know that they don't. And I I sent you a clip, um, which I'd like us to listen to and and your your listeners to hear. Okay. Well, you start producing radio now, have you? I'm I'm just (laughs) merely using the tools that I have available. Top Uh, man. This is is Theresa May, the 2017 election, when she's asked what a bad deal is. And if we could play that clip, that would be really good. Let's do it. Explain what, in your mind, would be a bad deal. Well, yes, I think, on the one hand, David, you've got politicians in Europe, some of whom are talking about punishing the UK for leaving the EU. I think what they want to see in terms of that punishment would be a bad deal. And secondly, you've got politicians here in the United Kingdom who seem to be willing to accept any deal, whatever it is, just for the sake of getting a deal. And I think the danger is they'd be accepting the worst possible deal at the highest possible price. Round of applause I mean, for that. I, could, I couldn't actually have summed it up better myself, but we seem <laughs> to have moved with this Prime Minister to a position where 
no deal's better than a bad deal to a parliament that, and, and even you, Mike, you've gone over to any deal's better than no deal. Well, no, and um, let me let me explain why, though, Andrew, because I'm much better at doing this than Theresa May is, because the one thing she's been absolutely hopeless that's not at difficult, though, is, is explain. It? Well, it's not. I accept that that's not much of a challenge. My reasoning is this, right? Every single red line that's been drawn has been uh, run over. Every single line in the sand uh, that's been uh, been made out has been has covered over with water, right? Every single promise that has been made has been broken. So everything that we've been told we can't do, we have been able to do. You know, all sorts of deadlines have passed, all kinds of things that were supposed to happen uh, that needed proper voting procedures in the House of Commons have not needed those things. What I'm saying is, is if we start on the road to leave and we start to leave, surely we can change the way we leave as we go. Well, it'll be a treaty. It's not actually a withdrawal agreement. It's a treaty. It runs till 2099. As you know, uh, the UK, we don't break international treaties. Well, we so could, we'll though, supreme- couldn't we? Well, we could, but yeah. it's supremacy over our law. That's not the way to go. The withdrawal agreement is not a way to withdraw from the European Union. If we pass it, I'll tell you, I'll have a prediction of what happens. And I'm not saying it won't pass. If Labour MPs uh, do a deal and it's customs union, they may well have the votes. I will never vote for it. It won't pass without you, Andrew, and it won't pass without the Remainer members of the Labour Party going with it as well. Well, it can pass without me if if enough Labour MPs vote for it. But what will happen then is the the media will then, if if the withdrawal agreement goes through, which is not a withdrawal, it's a treaty till 2099 about our future relationship, and it is actually the end relationship the EU have got in mind for us. It is the backstop. Then the media will turn on that agreement and say, all the things that I've said about it and, and many others about how it's vassalage, we're, we're a law taker, we're not taking back control, we've got, to, we've got taking EU laws without representation, we'll be stuck in the backstop for potentially forever, subject to 27 vetoes to actually get out of the backstop and France will want the fish and Germany will want the money and uh, Ireland will want Northern Ireland. Yeah, but they won't necessarily get all, all of those things, things, will they? Well, in that case, then we do, if they, we don't agree to them, we just stop in the backstop forever. And then, all that time, the EU will pump a load of money that we've actually been giving them into a campaign which will say that this leaving the European Union, you've actually officially left, but you're still under our control. This is a terrible relationship. It's far worse than what we had before. Wouldn't you rather have a second referendum and come back in? And that is the plan, Mike. And that's where we'll end up if we go out on, on, under the withdrawal agreement. But I'm not that's that frightened of having a second referendum. As, as much as I don't want it to happen, I don't think anybody has the right to have a second referendum because the first ref- referendum has not been enacted. You know you and I agree about that. However, I'm not sure that a second referendum would result in, in any different uh, outcome anyway. I'm sure that the more people now want to leave than did then. I think you're probably right, but what you have to remember is that the European Union's budget for its own propaganda is far more money than the combined campaigning money of mm. all the political parties in the UK every year. Sure. It's no, I, I get all that. Of money. But what you're basically telling me, Andrew, is that you want to risk a general election which could peak the Tories out of power for quite some time to come. I mean, we've already got Rory Stewart, the International Development Secretary, saying uh, that he would actually accept the breakup of the Tory party uh, if, in fact, it was well, worth... Well, my question, my question to, R- to Rory is, where's he going? Well, nobody Which knows. He joining then? Yeah. So oh. he'll be so he'll be leaving the Conservative Party. I think the problem at the moment in the Conservative Parliamentary Party is we just haven't got enough Conservatives. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. I don't know what's happened to the Conservative Party because I can't think of one single rule of law that they have put through in the last two parliaments, in the last two governments, including the ones with David Cameron in, which have any kind of Conservative values attached to them at all. Yes, we used to be a low tax, small government. Yeah. Um, Party of Opportunity, yes.
Yeah, now it's all now it's all about taxing the rich, making it impossible for people uh, to make money in this country without having to be tied up in red tape if you're a small business, making it much more difficult uh, to hire and fire people. I mean, it's an extraordinary state of affairs. Um, I can see why people have uh, lost. The problem is that, that the Labour Party has gone so far to the left. Yeah. It's actually dragged the Conservative Party to the left as well, mm. because nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah, absolutely. But then we've left a, left a position for the, the real Conservatives. And um, you know, if we do a deal with Jeremy Corbyn, if the Prime Minister does a deal with Jeremy Corbyn, it will be the ultimate betrayal of uh, Brexit. And all we're doing is pushing 17.4 million voters who voted Leave from across all the political spectrum into the hands of um, Nigel Farage and the Brexit Party. And is that then possibly going to be the way a general election goes? Because at the end of the well, day... We're going to see, we're going, we're going to see uh, effectively the support for leaving the European Union demonstrated, I think, uh, by the way people vote at the European elections. They're not useless. At the end of the day, we, you know, we lost our American colonies uh, through no taxation without representation. Mm. We will still be in the European Union at some of those elections. Therefore, we should have those elections. And just because the Conservative Party don't think we're going to do very well, which may well be true... I don't, think, no, no I don't excuse, think they're wrong about that. No, well, it's no excuse for cancelling elections, is it? We're not living in Zimbabwe, are we? Well, no, but, you I know, mean, the point is is that we have a fixed-term election process in this country now, which was brought about by the Tory government, and now you want to change that, and you seem to want to do yourself harm. It's like a self-harming kind of policy that you're operating under now, Andrew. And maybe talking no, about... No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that with, with, a, with a new leader, um, we... We can beat Jeremy. There's no appetite on the door. But you've tried to get rid of Theresa May already once and failed. Uh, yes, I think we'll, we will change the rules of the 1922 committee. You've also got the National Convention. That's the, the voluntary party, the members, the, uh, yeah. the councillors, the association chairman. They've now uh, obtained the ability to have an emergency general meeting where they will put forward a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister. That is unprecedented in the 185-year history of the Conservative Party. Mm. This has never happened yeah, before. Yeah, we, we've had lots and of unprecedented... Survey, Mike, you've got a survey out now that yeah. says that is in yesterday's paper saying that 82% of the members of the Conservative Party want the Prime Minister yeah, to go Yeah, it makes no difference, though. She doesn't stop. I mean, she just keeps coming at you like a zombie, as I've said to you before. The point well, is you can't... Like, almost, like, almost like a political coup, isn't it? She's occupying number 10 yeah. without the support of either the Parliamentary Party well, exactly. or the Voluntary Party or the country. Yeah, well, but, I mean, what does it say about the party? But hang on, Andrew. What does it say about the party that they can't do anything about it? They can't get rid of her. They can't stop her from doing what she's doing. They can't bring her to, to book. They can't bring her to heel. They can't make her do what they want. In fact, the Tory party is even less powerful than Theresa May. And that's saying something. Maybe it's time that people like you left the Tory party and went to join no, Brexit. I'll... No, I'm, I'm a Conservative. The place for me is in the Conservative party. What we need to do is change the rules. And I think you'll find that Graham Brady is going to come under irresistible... And the 1922 committee will come under irresistible pressure now. And if it's not enough pressure now after the, the drubbing we had in the local elections last Thursday... It will be after the 23rd of May, uh, after the European election. After another drubbing. Well, funnily enough, I mean, I was asking people last week before Thursday, you know, how bad does it have to get before it starts to affect Theresa May? And people... It's always darkest just before dawn. Well, people universally said, well, definitely over a 1,000 seats, that would be a problem. And it was 1,300 and odd, right? But she's still sitting well, there, Andrew. Well, that was actually a bit of spin by number 10. I think they were trying to spin out it was going to be a 1,000. 
hoping it would be six or eight hundred, yeah. and they could say, well, it wasn't as bad. Right. Actually, it was 1,334, <laughs> Yeah, I it? mean, it was horrendous. It was just horrendous. But, but my worry is, though, Andrew, that we'll be just stuck in this kind of no-man's land forever. We will never get out of Europe because of people like you who want to get out of Europe, but who won't accept moving away from it is a beginning step. Well, well because the withdrawal agreement is, is a... At least where we are now, under the Article 50 process, we can actually leave. Once we sign the withdrawal agreement, we can't get out of that, and that is not leaving, only in name. Um, yeah, but you um, know as well as I do, Andrew, you can write anything into an agreement, right? You can write all sorts treaty, of stuff. It's a treaty, Mike. It's a treaty. It's a treaty. It makes it's no difference. Nothing that, yeah, but hang on. Well, nothing that we have ever said uh, is impossible has proved to be impossible, right? Everything that has happened in this whole debate in the last three years, everything has changed. Everything has moved. The sands have shifted. There is no such thing as a red line. There is no such thing as a treaty you can't get well, out we'd of. Need a Donald, we'd need a Donald Trump-style prime minister who'd be willing to rip up a treaty. Well, that's uh, fine. Um, well, let's get one then. But let's start on at least on getting out. And if we don't start on getting out, you know, I'll be sitting here talking to you in a tent of shame in October when it starts getting cold again. And I won't want, I won't look want at, that. Look at, I mean, at least while we're talking about Brexit in Parliament, um, we're not passing other laws that are interfering with people's lives and causing uh, mayhem. So, I mean, the fact that we've spent so much time over the last three years just debating and, and passing... Uh, getting nowhere. On, on, on Brexit. Yeah, but the economy is still in rude good health. I think that tells you a lot about whether legislation is the, uh, the first choice uh, for dealing with problems. The problem, though, surely, Andrew, is that really you will not get rid of uh, Theresa May. We will go into October the 31st. She will, claim, will. she will claim that, you know, we need another extension. We'll roll it on into next year. There's already some MPs and MEPs like Daniel Hannan, for example, talking about rolling it into next year getting a better deal, negotiating better and all of this. I mean, this is a process which could go well, on until I die. That, that is, well, if we sign the withdrawal agreement, we're going to have two years in transition where we're paying in, we're under their laws, uh, but we have no say. That's extendable to four, and it will be extended to four. Then we go in the backstop. Yeah. And if, if we want Super Canada, which the EU will not want to ever give us, because why would they want? They've got us exactly where they want us in the backstop, where we're a captive market for their goods. That took seven years with Canada. They'll say you want Super Canada, so it's going to be longer. They're going to want a year off while they sort themselves after, after the European elections. You'll be talking 10, 11 years after from now. We'll still be in the, in the backstop. And all that time, you'll be under pressure for a second referendum to come back in because the relationship we've agreed is so bad. We can't have any of the benefits of Brexit where we can have an independent trade policy and do free trade deals around the world and grow our economy. Won't be allowed any of that. But do you and not have any... Out, I mean, the you only talk... way out of the backstop is, 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 a, is a customs agreement. No, but Andrew, and it's you... subject to 27 veto. Yeah, but hang on. Yeah, but you talk about wanting uh, your own sort of uh, determination. You, want, you talk about wanting sovereignty and all of that. You know, what sort of a country would allow to allow ourselves to be bullied into doing anything by the European Union. Well, Surely we just stick two fingers well, up well, to them. The withdrawal agreement is the Europeans' plan. It was drawn up in Brussels. It wasn't drawn up by Theresa May. It's the European Union's plan, which is why they keep giving Theresa May more and more yeah, all right. time. Well, think about what I'm plan saying, plan. though. Think about what I'm saying. You wanted, you'd be quite happy to walk away with no deal. That's not politically expe expedient. That's not going to happen. Why don't you just sign well, we, the deal, right? Do. Hang on, let me finish. Let me finish. Why don't you just sign the deal and then start walking away from it? You know, hoodwink them, for heaven's sake. Tell them, all right, we'll sign it, and then start just not complying with it. Well, you know, and I know, Mike, that we're not that sort of country. Once you start well, maybe we should be. agreements, well, maybe we should be, but we're not. And there's the way the world is and the way the world should be, and it's a fatal mistake 
to get the two. I, I could well, I think you're the one that's confusing the two. Never, I will never sign that, that withdrawal agreement because I will never sign my country and my people into vassalage. And they might not realise on day one that it's a bad deal, but they will do later on, and I'm not going to have my name on that side of history. I've got a very simple definition of Brexit and, and what it means. about sovereignty for me, and yeah. I just want the people in northwest Leicestershire and the rest of the country to be able to vote for an MP who does actually make all of their laws or has a say in them, and if they don't like the laws that I'm passing, they vote me out. And I'm quite happy to stand for re-election any time we want. I'm never ashamed to face my voters in northwest Leicestershire on my track record of whether we've delivered Brexit or we've not delivered Brexit and on the withdrawal agreement. I'm quite happy to stand on that basis because that is democracy at the end of the day, Mike, and there's no running away from it. I get that, and that's fine, and I appreciate your stance and I respect your stance, but nevertheless, what you're doing, Andrew, is you are holding up in one hand a piece of paper that says, I will not accept vassalage, I want uh, independence for Britain from Europe, and on the, on the other hand, you're holding another piece of paper that says, but I'm not going to do it uh, because the way that the government wants to do it isn't the right way. So effectively, you're keeping them in vassalage, you're keeping them chained to the European Union because you don't like the deal. Well, the deal that we'd be signing is actually worse than being in the European Union. So you're happy to stay in the European Union because you think you still have more of an element of independence than you would have signing this deal? Yes, because at least while we're in this... Article well, then why should we bother process, leaving? Well, because we, we, well, we're in the Article 50 process, which has just been extended, where we're leaving the European Union. At least at the end of it, we could actually leave, whereas once we sign the withdrawal agreement, which is a treaty, we can never get out of it. I, see, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that people with your kind of brains, Andrew, and your kind of attitude cannot get out of agreements. I really don't believe it. Well, because it's a treaty, and we, we, to get out of it, we need the agreement of not just the European Union and the Council and the Parliament. It's also the individual governments of the other 27, plus some regions like Wallonia, and they'll all have a veto. And once we're into that process, every single one of them want a piece out of us Yes, no, I get, I get all that, Andrew, but the iron, irony of your position... And what you're saying is we could just walk away. I'm saying that we should try something other than where we are right now, because where we are is nowhere, and where we're going is nowhere, and you wishing to get rid of Theresa May is all very well, but you haven't managed to do it over the past 12 months, so what makes you think you can do it over the next 12? Well, you wouldn't go into hospital then on the disclaimer saying you're going to have your, your ingrowing toenail treated, that you're going to have both your arms amputated, your heart, your liver and your kidneys donated on the basis that, well, I'll just, I'll just run out of hospital. <laughs> you're getting as bad as those remainers with those ridiculous analogies. But listen, Andrew, I appreciate you talking to me. Thank you very much indeed. Most, be, you'll be glad to know most people are on your side on this one. Andrew Bridge and Tory MP for North West Leicestershire. At no price will he sign this deal. I'm saying he should sign it. And so should every other member of the Conservative Party if they want to have Brexit. Because without signing a deal, it'll never happen. I promise you. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio.
Now, I'm told that the theme of the music today is One Hit Wonders. Is that right? It is One Hit Wonders, isn't it? Well, they had more than one hit, didn't they? Soft Cell. Where'd you get that from? Soft Cell had loads of hits. I think they've, they've missed the boat on that one, I'm afraid. No marks out of 10 for that selection. Uh, 0344 uh, is the number. Let's talk to Mark Dolan, our good friend. Uh, because it turns out, right, uh, that if you go shopping and you take your phone with you, you will actually end up spending more money. Now, I'm not quite sure how this works, so let's find out from Mr Dolan, uh, a man who is about as middle class as you can get, because uh, he'll be able to explain it all. Mr Dolan, a very good morning to you. Uh, listen, hello, Mike. A very happy uh, bank holiday. Thank you very you. much indeed. Uh, it's it's a great opportunity. It's a bit of fun for me on a bank holiday and a bit of a break for the family. So, yes. You know, yeah, they're probably sick of you by now. I mean, by the, I mean, when I used to not work on Mondays until Monday evening, and I stayed from Friday, by Monday lunchtime, most of my family were more than happy to see the back of me. Well, I think, yeah, what happens, you know, like you, I'm a hardworking man. I'm self-employed. I go where the work is. And, yeah. and they do miss me. But then when I'm back, they realise I'm actually quite <laughs> annoying. <laughs> it's true. Now, what about this research that shows that shoppers yeah. who are chatting, texting, checking emails or listening to music on their phone while browsing the shelves become easily distracted, which is probably true. But I've never I don't think I've ever bought something I didn't want to buy as a result of not paying attention. Yeah, I feel like the the findings are a little exaggerated, mm. but I think what it proves, Mike, is that we have to just accept that we can't do any task properly mm. whilst on our phone. Right. I mean, you know, go figure. And the bottom line is that I think these days we're also arrogant and in our bubble yeah. that we think we can. But I mean, actually, the evidence is there that we can't. I mean, driving, first of all, when yeah. phones first came out, it was perfectly reasonable to take a call. Um, you know, but now we know that it's massively dangerous. I ride a motorbike and I'm constantly encounter people crossing the road yeah. whilst on their phone. It's like, how cavalier are you about your life that you will be checking yeah. your Instagram whilst navigating? I know. You but know, it's, but it is this thing, crossing. isn't it, where, where if you're on Twitter or Instagram or you're in the middle of something, I mean, I'll get into these rows, as you'll sometimes see on Twitter yeah, with people that I don't know, right? And, you know, I'll be far too re ready to frequently just look at the phone. You know, coming out of the tube, I'll check it. You know, going into yeah. the tube, I'll check it. Yeah. And even sometimes on the tube, because there's Wi-Fi, if you're sitting in a station, I'll check it. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing this for? You know, there could be many other things I could be doing rather than just... So it's not just about yeah. sort of being on the phone, because I'm very rarely actually on the phone uh, to speaking to people. It's more that I'm using it for emails or for, you know, we're all, yes. we're all so busy all the time now. Well, we are. And I think it's worth remembering um, that we can't judge ourselves uh, harshly for the fact that we get distracted by the phone. Um, the phone is a piece of technology. It's actually a loaded gun designed yeah. by someone else that's in our pocket. Right. And that's also technology... listening to everything you're doing, by the way, oh, as well. It, it turns out. Do you know what I mean? But look, the bottom line is your phone is a software platform. And so you have genius coders across the world who are creating algorithms um, in order to keep us glued to our phone. So it's not it's not like we're stupid or, or anything like that. We are just victims. And I think, you know, the more we kind of get aware of that, um, I think the more we can, you know, have rules for the phone. And we've only, I mean, the first iPhone came out. I mean, this is amazing. 29th of June, 2007, not that long ago, 12 years ago. And I still think that we are adapting to the power of this stuff. And I think the way forward to avoid, you know, buying unnecessary things or getting run over when you cross the road is to control the device, have rules for when it's on, when it's not. I mean, yeah. my biggest complaint, and you mentioned about jumping on the tube and all of your messages and stuff. 
we're always checking. I think that's the problem with our phones. I must check my phone. That's the problem, yeah, because it is a 24-7 thing to do almost. You know, I mean, I had a lovely afternoon yesterday, put the phone on charge, left it in another room, spent yeah. a couple of hours playing backgammon uh, with my son, right? And, I, and also beat him as well, which was very satisfying. Um, yeah, I know. That poor kid, I mean, God Well, I'm not, I'm not one of those parents scarred. that lets people win. I, you know, if he beats me, he beats... He won, he won uh, about three games out of the five, right? Um, the point of that is, is that, you know, he knew how to win a game. So once he actually properly beats me overall, he'll feel very proud. He won't well, know that I let him do it. He's going to be a, a very successful, accomplished man like his like his, like his his dad. Well, let's hope it's, so. It's, it's, Whoever it's that is. <laughs> but look, <laughs> exactly. I've, I've seen I've seen images of the possible father. Yeah. Um, look, the bottom line is, but, but the thing about this checking is that um, it's actually, you know, we, we, we talk about these notifications um, and we talk about we talk about fake news. Mm. I think what you've got on your phone is fake mail. Yes. Right? Pretend mail. Because a notification on Instagram or Twitter, that is not, that's not the equivalent of a letter back in the day. It's just meaningless garbage. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's not all we meaningless treating garbage. It as, we're treating it as mail. I mean, back in the day, you know, my, you know, my dad uh, was, uh, you know, running his own business. We get letters in the post and it was either like, you know, a tax bill yeah. or someone chasing, you know, an unpaid demand or something yes. or it would be a check mm. but actually mail really mattered it's like whatever came through the letterbox was really right. worth you know but now you've got that mentality towards what's on your phone but i mean a lot of it as you say is just like i mean the whatsapp is the worst because my sons both play football right the number of messages i get about oh we've changed the start time but you see i've switched i mean even though i use my phone a lot i've switched all the notifications off particularly with twitter because i get tweet i mean I'm, I'm hundreds of tweets i mean i i think i saw they give you this twitter analysis thing right my last month oh, yeah. on twitter one million and a half impressions of my tweets Look you know so i mean that's going all the time so i can't have a noise going ping 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 every two seconds it would sound ridiculous yeah, well, that's it. Well, you know, that's what happens when you're a you know, global superstar, it's Mike. True. But um, the bottom line is everyone, even on your own, even if you have got like three followers on Twitter, yeah. um, the app will still generate these meaningless notifications. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got, I love to follow politics. I've got yeah. a separate account, just that. And I don't follow anyone. I still get messages. I don't really? know how that works. Right. Um, but the other big thing is um, we've just got to be careful with this technology. My worst thing is drunk shopping. Drunk shopping is very yeah. bad, yes. Now, I mean, I find myself ordering well, things yeah. from Ricardo, right, sometimes. <laughs> and when it all arrives, I mean, last last time, right, I got two lots of water. You know, I, I, I get six bottles wow. of water at a time. They brought 12. Because unbeknownst it's... to me, I somehow ordered two lots of it. Very unusual for the fluid that you ordered too much of to be non-alcoholic, Michael. You've changed. No, not at all. No, listen, the only reason I'm alive is because of the amount of water I drink. If I didn't drink <laughs> as much water as I do, I would not be here, trust me. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there, there, there are some uh, some repetitions of certain things that I've, you know, like I've bought some tomatoes, tins of tomatoes, but oh, and then I've forgotten man. that I've ordered them, so I've ordered some different ones, and then I get loads of those as well. Yeah, no, it's terrible. What, so have, you bought, what, what have you bought, drunk shopping? Well, my work five years ago, I, I just I woke up one morning to the delivery of an industrial sized set of garden shears. <laughs> now, my garden is about literally the size of a postage stamp. <laughs> Brilliant. Too embarrassed to turn it away. I'm like, yes, yes, that's exactly what I yeah. ordered. Many thanks. And uh, it's still literally unopened, untouched in yeah. my shed. Yeah, yeah, that is very, very dangerous. A cruel reminder of my, you know, it my is. wild behaviour. Now, now that I've taken you away from the family, what are you going to do for the rest of the day? How are you going to spend? <laughs> we're bank we're, uh, we're going actually outdoor swimming in Hampstead Heath. My God, it's a bit cold for that, isn't it? It is a bit. I, it's it's going to be make or break for the family. I think it's wetsuit time, isn't it? I'm not sure we'll all make it. Uh, <laughs> well, good luck. Yeah.
Thank you. We'll need it. Mind how you go, uh, as they say. Mark Dolan, a comedian, of course, and middle-class representative uh, on uh, this particular show. Uh, whenever you need a question about the middle class and drunk shopping and what you do with your phone and whether you go swimming in Hampstead Ponds, he's your man. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We can dance, we can dance, everybody look at your hands. We can dance, we can dance, everybody's taking the chance. Safe to dance, oh, it's safe to dance, yes, safe to dance. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. Lots of you uh, tweeting in about my plan. Uh, for how to move forward with Brexit. Not very many of you, I'm afraid, agree with me. But hey, that's okay. I'm not sitting here to try and win a popularity contest. I just think it is time to move. It is time to move forward. And it is time uh, to break the deadlock and break the stalemate. Otherwise, we will literally be stalemated for the rest of time. I kid you not. Because if you think that Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn are not the answer and that they should not do a deal and they should not get the withdrawal agreement through Parliament, then you will have to be prepared for nothing literally to happen uh, for at least the best part of the next six months and possibly the next six years. 0344 You can tweet us, of course, at Talk Radio as well. Lots, lots more uh, to talk about this morning. And now we're going to speak to Bruce Williamson uh, from the campaign group Rail Future because uh, it turns out that Crossrail, as we know, uh, has been very, very largely delayed by unforeseen problems. Uh, it's costing an awful lot more than we thought it was going to do. And it now turns out that almost 500 train drivers are actually employed on salaries of up to £59,000 a year, even though they're not actually driving any trains. Bruce, a very good morning to you. What's going on? Good morning, Mike. Well, it's not quite as you described it. I mean, it, it is true that they've got all these train drivers on their books, but right. uh, they are driving trains. Um, Crossrail is operating. It's just the central section which isn't ready to go yet. So, right. so um, which bit of Crossrail is operating then? The, the, the sort of outer branches, if you like. So uh, obviously when you go out of London, Crossrail comes out of the tunnels and goes overground towards Heathrow and so on. Oh, so, so, so if I wanted to go to Heathrow and Crossrail, I could? Yes, you can, because the, 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 what used to be, I think, the Heathrow Express or Heathrow Connect has now become part of the Crossrail. Ah, so what deal. they've done is they've changed the name of the Heathrow Express to call it Crossrail, and so yeah. they can say, Crossrail's working. Well, <laughs> Why don't they just rename the Jubilee Line Crossrail, and then we can well. have it going all the way across town? <laughs> hey? Yeah, nice idea. Be cheaper, I mean, yeah, wouldn't it? I mean, there, there are sort of serious <laughs> issues about... Um, you know, the, the, the project management on this, the delay. You're so, telling I mean, me. It's, yeah, it's, it's very easy to sort of get angry at the, the, the drivers who appear to be sitting around doing nothing. I'm not it's angry not with the fault. drivers. I'm angry with the management. Well, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, so, so, so there are questions to be asked about what went wrong. You know, where, where, where does the incompetence lie yes. at the heart of this? Uh, and, you know, I think really, to some extent, the buck has to stop at the top. You know, TFL uh, are sort of the... the overarching managers of the project and and they haven't done uh, a great job i mean you know with the best will in the world big projects like this things will go wrong uh, but they've gone a little yeah, bit yeah but you know don't you think it. we're too a bit too willing to accept that as a, as an excuse oh well things will go wrong you know every ma- major capital project we are told eventually runs over budget well why you know who are the people well, making the budgets well, yeah, I, th- I think it's a fair point. You know, th- they don't all run over time, actually. You know, um, there are big projects that get on time and on budget. But, you know, they're, they're, 
people tend to shout about those less. Yeah, but, I can't remember know, the last one that did. Can you, Bruce? Well, I think I think for example the what used to be called the Channel Tunnel Rail Link that was on time and on budget. Was it? Um, you sure. The, you know, uh, I think you know we. Every time something goes wrong, there are lessons to be learned. Yes. So why aren't those lessons being learned and See, passed that, down that the is line? The, that is the crux of the matter, isn't it? Yeah, because they always yeah. we have a, we have a sort of standard procedure in this country, don't we? Right. We're going to uh, find a load of money to make this great new infrastructure uh, solution work for everybody, right? Then we get yeah. sort of halfway towards the point at which it was meant to be ready, and we say, well, it's going to cost a little bit more money now because of this, that, and the other, and it's probably going to take a little bit longer than we thought because of this, that, and the other, and then afterwards. When everybody goes, why did it take so long? Why is it not working properly? Why did it cost so much money? Everybody says, well, obviously, we'll have to learn lessons. We'll have an inquiry. And nothing changes. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. And, you know, as, as you were describing that, I'm thinking of a couple of other examples. We've seen the costs spiralling yeah. on, on HS2. We've had uh, cost overruns on the electrification of the Great Western. And, you know, that really bothers me as, as a rail campaigner. Sure. You know, I want this investment and I want it to be done right. And so, you know, it, 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 it makes the case for future rail investment harder because people can say, well, look, it's going to overrun, isn't yeah. it? Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, that, that, that we need to pile pressure on the politicians to sort of make sure that those lessons are learned so that we don't have these overruns in the future. But that's the problem, isn't it? Because you, and I wouldn't ask you to, to go on the spot on this one, but you could not guarantee to me that the budget, which has now risen by £2.8 to 17.6, which is quite a substantial rise already, uh, you can't yeah. guarantee to me that that's not going to get even higher, can you? No, I can't, no, no. Uh, I don't think anyone can, really. I mean, you know, I think we can make... Given that they've sort of done most of the work, you yeah. know, they've laid the tracks and built the tunnels, right. I think that's most of the hard graft done. But it's still, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done. And, yeah, who knows how much it's going to cost. Well, I mean, they were digging up Tottenham Court Road for the best part of a couple of years. They now finally reopened Tottenham Court Road, so I presume that that's all done. So that part of the tunnels going through the central part of London is finished, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, but, but all, all the tunnels are built. You know, right. it's, it's like the, the signalling and the testing and, and maybe the overhead power equipment that, that isn't quite ready to go yet. Right, or maybe okay. they've discovered a few leaks or something. But, um, yeah, it's frustrating. And is it going to be as sort of life-saving a, a, a service as everybody seems to think it is going to be? Because, I mean, it's all very well saying you can now go from Berkshire to Essex in, on one train. But I don't know anyone who wants to do that. Well, no, I think, I think it will be a success. I mean... Um, you know, we have to look at this as, as, a, as a service that is literally like halfway between uh, a, a sort of local tube service and an intercity service. It's a sort of regional service. And, and there is a huge, well, you'll know, there's huge overcrowding on, on, the, on the tube, on London Underground and, and, and transport in the London area generally. So there, there's definitely a There big is, but then London Underground is a very well-run operation. I mean, as much as, you know, occasionally there's the odd strike and occasionally there's the odd thing that goes wrong. You know, it's a very well-run transportation system, I would say. And, and in many ways, it's even possibly the envy of the world, the way the numbers of people they move through and the value that people get from it. Whereas there's, there's a bigger problem for me on, on the trains that come into London from outside. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I mean, what you've got with the London Underground is something that's established and up and running. So you sort of get to know, you know, the people running it, get to know how to run it. But this is like a, a sort of east-west version of Thameslink. And Thameslink, as we know, is, is very successful, so much so that they've had to improve that and increase capacity and so on. So, you know, the demand for it is clearly there. I've no doubt that people will use the trains and it will relieve some of the congestion on other lines. But, uh, you know... These things take so long to implement, and it's so frustrating that, you know, 
these these things sometimes go wrong. Well, let me quote you a couple of interesting increased budgets, right? Whitechapel yeah. Station originally budgeted for 110 million. Do you know what that went up to? I dread to think. 659. 659 million. I mean, that's yeah. increased by six times. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, imagine if you went to dinner with your wife and you thought, I'll take 100 quid because that'll be about right for dinner. And it turned out to be 600. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, you'd be pretty shocked, wouldn't you? Well, it'd be time to get a new wife under those circumstances, wouldn't it? But, uh, well, that's very, yeah, I, I, I couldn't possibly comment on that. But, I mean, certainly <laughs> you wouldn't want to pay £600 for a dinner that you thought was going to be 100 is what I'm saying. No, you certainly couldn't, no. And again, it goes back to the point, you know, OK, wh- where, where did they go wrong? Why haven't they learnt the lessons? Where did they go wrong in the research and planning? But how can they, they be they, so uh, wrong? I mean, how can you make an yeah. estimate for doing something which is an engineering, you know, sort of project, which is very easy to cost, I would have thought, you know, in the sense that you know how many people you're going to need, you know how much equipment you're going to need, you know how long it's going to take. I mean, I, just, I beg his belief that they get it so wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what can I say? I agree with you. You know, um, th- th- there's no excuse for it, really. Yeah. Here's one from Pete who says, The Channel Tunnel was opened 25 years ago. If that was the last project which came in on time and in budget, we are doomed. <laughs> I mean, that is, I mean, it's a good, good thing you've remembered that. I mean, I'm not certain it did come in under budget. But, but I mean, you know, the, the, the great uh, Christian Walmart, who's quite often a guest on Julie Hartley Brewer's show here on uh, Talk Radio, he wrote a book about Crossrail. He finished the book before Crossrail was finished. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I know, Christian. Obviously, we're we're in the same game. Yeah. He's the president of Rail Future, our organisation. So yeah, you know, he, he writes well, and uh, it is kind of ironic, isn't it? You can <laughs> it really is. You can write it up and get it published. Yeah. Although you know, to be to be fair, writing a book is a little bit less effort than digging a tunnel under London. But, Very yeah. that. I'll, yeah. I'll tell him that next time he comes in. Now, yeah. what about HS2? What's going on with that? Because that still seems to be very much behind schedule and over budget and still the subject of an awful lot of arguing going on between those people who don't want it to happen and those who do. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the cost estimates keep going up and up and up. And I think, you know, the, the, in, in these uncertain political times, I think there are those in the corridors of power who want to stop it. And I think think I'm right in saying that or, or speculating that some in a position of power are sort of keeping their options open by holding back on pressing the big go button, yeah. if you know what I mean. Right. There's been a lot of preparatory work, but, you know, it still hasn't been given that final, that final go. And right. I think what the government is fearing that, OK, well, you know, if we end up if we end up sort of abandoning it, then, you know, it's best not to do, not to spend as much money as possible. But we have already spent billions on it. And they've already um, started buying up properties, haven't they? Some of the indeed, people. Indeed, yeah, and so, demolishing property and yeah. so on. I mean, you know, what, what we certainly need is, is the capacity, you know, because our, same as Crossroads, same as the underground, you know, our, our railways are clogged. They're, they're bursting at the seams. We need that extra capacity. Um, I mean, I have some reservations about the detail of HS2, but if, if, if we don't do HS2, we need an alternative. There's no do-nothing option here. Right, OK. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one as well, Bruce. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. Bruce Williamson there uh, from Rail Futures. Uh, of course, he's on the side of the railway business, and I'm not against the railway business. I just don't understand how they can keep getting it so wrong. Uh, the estimate's so far out. I mean, to say something's going to cost $100 million and it then costs $650 million, I mean, you'd fire somebody who came up with that, wouldn't you? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You look so fine that I really want to make you mine. I say you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. Four, five, six, come on and get your kicks. Now you don't need the money when you look like that, do you, honey? 
This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we're going to be finding out why it's a bit more risky if you give birth at the weekend uh, and at night. Guess why? Because the consultants are not working at that time because they only like working during the day and they go home at the end of the day and they're not around in the evening when an awful lot of babies get born. By the way, uh, I still am promising you that we might see the royal baby between now and the end of the show because I did say uh, that I had a feeling that the royal baby is going to be born sometime between the hours of 10 and 1 today. Uh, We've got about half an hour to go. Let's talk to Susan, who's in Exeter. Hello, Susan. Good afternoon, Michael. Lovely to talk to you. Very happy bank holiday Monday to you. And um, to you, Michael, it's lovely to hear you. You keep us all going. Thank you. Um, now, darling, oh, best wishes, by the way, to Ricky and Ricky? all our listeners. Oh, yes, OK. Know, Ricky in Glasgow. And Why Harry, Ricky in Glasgow, particularly? Well, he, he's just a nice bloke. They're all nice. Where's Harry in Portsmouth? We haven't heard... Come on, Harry, give us a call. We miss you. Come on, Harry. We're a big, happy family at Talk Radio, aren't we? Oh, I think so. I think so. I, I think wouldn't so. listen to any... I wouldn't listen to anybody else. No. I just listen to you lot. Except right, no okay. substitutes, Susan. That's the point. What do you mean? Oh, well, no, absolutely not. No. What do you mean, what do I well, mean? Except no substitutes they, means don't no. listen to other radio stations. Well, that, I, I know, I'm just clicking, but I wouldn't anyway because they're rubbish. Yeah, they are. It's true. Very true. Now, what do you want to tell us? With the water, the water situation, yeah. when the water was privatised by Mrs. Satter, is that right? Have I got it right? I Mrs. think it was, yeah. Yeah, well, I as my auntie Celia said, it should never have been done. The water belongs to God. What? Water belongs to God. Well, yeah, but God can't run the water through all the drains, can well, he? Well, no, we should, they shouldn't have privatised it. Well, I, 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 I think it hasn't been done very well. But I'm, I'm, I'm sort of... Course of course it has. Nothing's been done very well. Right, you're very and true, nothing yeah. nothing has been doing very well. Right. And that's... That woman in Parliament, I don't know what we're going to do about her. I think she's going she to be there to long out. after I've gone. Well, I think she will. But anyway, I better not say any more. I'll get arrested. What about the royal but... baby? Right. Megan's baby. Yeah. Now, this... Must Have you got a name the... for it? No, not yet. OK. Well, I'll leave that to Megan and Harry. OK. That's their, that, that's their personal affair. Um, Megan must have been pregnant for about ten years. <laughs> it's not quite as long as that, but the trouble is, what, what we do know, right, is that they're not very keen mm. on the public viewing um, well, no, their no, private uh, matter, right? No, so so maybe maybe they've given us the wrong date. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Baby we might have been born like a month that. ago. No, no. Well, it could have been. Well, she seems to have been pregnant an awful long time. I just want the baby to come out. I want her to be looked after as every mother. But she's very. She's not a young mum, is she? She's 30, she must be she's getting not. up for 38. She's not a young mum. You know? And also what I can tell you, and I said this last mm. week, because I'm told mm. that Buckingham Palace said that it's not mm. uh, the case that mm. the baby's been born yet, right? Mm. But if you go beyond a week late normally speaking they start to talk they about in, inducing the yeah, birth yeah so that should they be do. going on now and once they start that process it doesn't take long yes but i know why haven't they done it she could be well, digging her heels in and saying i well, want it natural i don't know but they've got to they've got to keep an eye on this because it's her first baby exactly. and she's an older mother no exactly um, right i heard that she's been having some very vicious vile uh, messages through social media. I think, like all of us, her, she gets a lot of abuse on social media, yeah, which well, is ghastly, isn't it? 
I horrible. happen to th- it is horrible. I happen to think she's a very beautiful lady. She's lovely. She is. I love I love her and Harry dearly. And why not go to bloody Africa and get out of it if that's what, how they're going to treat <laughs> her? Right, it's not very why nice. Why she have to put up with that? All right, okay, calm down, Susan. For heaven's sake, I said we should fire him from his job, which I think would be doing him a favour. Uh, because he clearly doesn't like to do bits of it. He only wants to do the bits that he wants to do. That's not on. The baby belongs to the nation, and he needs to show the baby to the nation as soon as it's born. It's as simple as that. Very simple. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.